Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Seasoned Crime. My name is Jasmine Nicole, and I am the host of this weekly podcast where you will hear a story about a minority. Seasoned Crime is where we tell the stories that the mainstream media isn't talking about. True crime happens in all races, religions, countries, but yet only a small part of that gets talked about or shown in the mainstream media. So when you press play on this podcast, I'm going to take a little bit of time out of your day to highlight a minority. Tell the stories that not many others are talking about. So about a week or so ago, I was out at a bar with my sister and her boyfriend. We were talking about the podcast and um, he had mentioned the serial killer in El Salvador. Um, so at the time, I was a lot more into, I mean, I was at a bar, so I was more interested in my drink than the story. But about a day or so later, I what he had said crossed my mind again. And so I went and I looked, the, I had, I couldn't remember the name of who he was talking about. So good old Google, um, I just searched El Salvador serial killer and it only took me a few minutes of looking into the story to know that I had to do this case. To many people, America is seen as the land of independence, and a lot of people are willing to do a lot of things to get into this country. Today's story shows how the promise of lies, along with the feeling of desperation, ended up turning deadly for those who least expected it. Not only were promises made, but this was an ex-cop. Instead of holding on to the promise to protect and serve, he did the exact opposite. Today, I am going to tell you about El Salvador's most recent serial killer, Hugo Ernesto Osario Chavez. March of this year, Hugo and a friend had been hanging out at a local mall. Hugo was 51 years old, and assumingly the friend he was with was around the same age. I mean, let's just pause and talk about the huge red flag of these grown men who just go to the mall on a consistent basis just to hang out. Huge red flag. So there was this 16-year-old girl who worked at one of those kiosks in the mall, and she completely missed the red flag. Understandably, though, um, you know, no no judgment there because at 16, I missed a lot of red flags. <laughs> so, so Hugo and his friends became familiar with this 16-year-old girl at the kiosk. They pretended like they were businessmen who offered so much more than a job at the mall kiosk could give her. They were consistent, and after about two weeks, the girl decided to take the leap and take them up on their offer. All she knew is that she was ready for something more, and on her way out the door one morning, she told her mom that she had quit her old job at the kiosk, and she was going to go start a new job. She left her house that morning to go to this new job, and was never seen again. The thing that makes this story so crazy is that this girl's mom probably knew no more about this new job than what I just told you. All she knew is that her beautiful young daughter had this new job opportunity and seemed happy. I mean, I I remember what it was like to be 16, and now as a parent of a young child, I do see a lot of those blind spots and why it's so important to have at least one person who can always speak to exactly where you are or where you plan to go, because literally that could be the last time someone sees you. A few months after this, in May of this year, 2021, Alexis Palamo left his home to never return again as well. 
When Alexis left that morning, his family believed that he was going to the United States, but a few hours after he left, Alexis's mom, Myrna Lima, got a call saying that her son had been kidnapped. This time, it was slightly different because Myrna knew exactly what the plan was. A few weeks before her son went missing, she had met a customer at her job. If you've ever worked in customer service, you know that from time to time, people aren't always terrible. Sometimes you come across someone who's nice and easy to talk to. Those people don't always come, so sometimes if you get a really good one, you just tend to open up and let it all out, and that was Myrna. The customer she'd began building rapport with was named Hugo, and he was a former cop, so she felt like she could be open with him about how things were going. She told him that she'd had a son who she'd loved very dearly, and it hurt her so much because he was going to have to drop out of university and stop his studies because he couldn't afford them anymore. The plan was that Alexis was going to drop out of school and then move up north and find work. It just so happened that Hugo, he knew a way to help. Hugo said that his brother was a coyote and he could get Alexis to the United States for $7,000, which Manor's grandfather would later confirm that Manor did pay him. Also, A coyote is someone who smuggles immigrants across the U.S.-Mexico border. So when Myrna gets the call that Alexis was kidnapped, she got her daughter, Christina Palamo, and they went to Hugo's home to try to figure out exactly what had happened. I mean, she gave this man money to help her son, and now she's being told that her son is gone? So Hugo has to know something. I'm not sure exactly how long the women were there at Hugo's house, but I do know that around 10 p.m. that night, Myrna was killed. Hugo took a blunt object and he hit Myrna in the head. He immediately tried to go for Christina afterwards. However, thanks to her judo training, she was able to get away and run out the door screaming for help. We can't say exactly what happened after that, but we can confirm that the neighbors heard her screaming, then gunshots, then a thump, and then absolute silence. Based on this, seems like Hugo ended up, Christina ended up running out of the door. Hugo ended up shooting and killing her. Normally, this is a really quiet area, and the neighbors could tell that something just wasn't right, so they called the cops immediately after everything that they heard. The police station was only about a mile away, but for whatever reason, it took the cops about an hour to even show up. When they did show up, though, I'm sure someone had to pay for that delay, because what they found was just the beginning. The police had to force their way into the home, and once they got inside, the dead body of Christina was found. A blood trail that Christina had left when she tried to get away led them to the body of her mom, Myrna. The dead bodies of Alexis and Carlos Osorio were also found in the home. Hugo's body was originally found lying across some of the dead bodies, but cops discovered that Hugo was still alive. They noticed the movement in his body and saw that he was still breathing. He had attempted to commit suicide and cut his veins and then laid on the bodies to try to evade police. When Hugo was arrested, he was immediately taken into a maximum security prison. The police force tweeted, Given the level of danger Osario Chavez presents, he will be locked up in a cell where he won't even receive sunlight. When interrogating Hugo, he ended up admitting to raping and killing Myrna and her daughter, Christina, and Hugo was arrested the following day on May 8, 2021. The bodies were not found together, though, 
The women were found inside the home. Remember, they weren't planned. They just showed up looking for Alexis. The two bodies that Hugo was expecting was Alexis and Carlos. Carlos was Hugo's brother and the supposed coyote that was going to take Alexis to the United States. These two bodies were found in a nearby septic tank. Now, the story could stop there, and it would be bad enough. So far, we've discovered Hugo Osario, an ex-cop, who has a missing 16-year-old who was last seen attached with him. He has confirmed four dead bodies that have been found in his home with him. This would turn out to be the end of the tragedy, but this wasn't the end. Hugo's home would turn out to be El Salvador's house of horrors. The police were investigating the house and they found a total of 10 bodies through the home. In investigating the bodies, they also arrested a total of nine other people in connection with this. And these people were identified as Juan Sarceno, Juan Goches, Jose Siganeza, Henry Olivares, Nelson Olivares, Lorena Miranda, Ernesto Ramirez, Cindy Mendoza, and Ingrid Ramos. Located in Chalchapa, about 50 miles from the capital of San Salvador, they continued to investigate the property. And some noticed that the ground outside, it looked a little weird. The ground was uneven and unusually soft. This prompted them to dig around, just to see if there was any reason for it. And what they found was almost unbelievable. They dug and they found a series of pits, about eight pits in total. Each of these pits contained roughly a dozen dead bodies in each of them. A total of about 40 dead bodies were found in Hugo's backyard. These bodies were mainly women and included some minors and children as well. Some of these bodies had been dead at least two years. This shook the entire city. I mean, this was an ex-cop. How does this even happen? Well, the reason Hugo was an ex-cop is because he was kicked off the police force in 2005. At that time, Hugo admitted to being a sexual predator. He would be online and find women, and Hugo would lure them in with the promise of helping them achieve the American dream. Hugo spent five years behind bars for this case. Even before this happened, though, cops had already thought that Hugo had some kind of gang affiliations. Even after being kicked off the force and doing some jail time for this, that didn't stop Hugo, obviously. His ruse seemed to still be the same, finding women and bringing them in under false expectations. They also found that he kept souvenirs from his victim. He had a gray sock that was filled with things such as identification cards, earrings, lipstick, and other small knickknacks that he obtained off of these women. The cops offered Hugo a deal in exchange for his testimony, and he accepted The details of this deal have been kept quiet, but prosecutors did refer to the deal as an opportunity of partiality. Hugo's statement ended up being leaked, and his confession and his description of the crimes were released in a digital outlet in El Salvador called Revista Factum. The cops were so embarrassed by this because some of the details that were released were too horrific. Hugo claimed 40 murders. 
he admitted to sometimes being the murderer himself and sometimes he would just lend his home to some of the others that had been tied to this crime as well. When he would lend his home to them, he would still be there in a sense because he was helping dispose of the bodies after the fact. Hugo spoke to one time when his home was being used by one of those people and they wanted to fulfill a fantasy. This person brought to Hugo's home a 36-year-old woman along with her daughter. And while they were there, this person and Hugo sexually assaulted and killed these women. The confession ended up being taken down in July due to a court order from the attorney general. Hugo's neighbors were more shocked than anyone. They lived right next door to this, yet they insisted that they'd never heard or suspected anything at all. Other than that final May 7th night, they said they never heard as much as a sound come from the home. Hugo has been charged with two charges of femicide and two charges of homicide. Femicide is the murder of women and girls due to their gender. Hugo has been cooperating with authorities to answer any questions about his role, as well as the role of the nine others that have been mixed into this house of horrors. The exhumation of the bodies has been completed, and police are working to identify all of the bodies that were found. Some family and friends of the missing girls, who believed that their loved ones were among some of the dead bodies, did go to the home with photos and try to get the closure on their missing. I can only imagine what some of these families have gone through, especially the ones whose loved ones just seemingly disappeared. How these men sleep at night, I will never know. And that is today's story of Hugo Osario and his House of Horrors. Thank you all so much once again for listening to another episode of Seasoned Crime. I get asked all the time how I pick stories, and most of the time it's from my good old friend Google, but lately I've been getting suggestions from just normal conversations. So if you have a story that you want to hear, let me know. Send it over to me. You can reach me on IG at Seasoned Crime or via email seasoncrime at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment the show as well. I'll be back next week with another episode. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Seasoned Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.